Hello, and welcome to Infinite Possibilities Abound. I'm your host, Debbie Waisner. The first topic for today is the power of laughter. Laughter is one of the best emotional and physical therapies for anyone dealing with stress or under stress. Laughter stimulates the vagus nerve, which releases oxytocins, the love hormone, the feel-good hormone. It's known as an endorphin, and laughing releases endorphins into the brain. These naturally produced endorphins are similar to nerve-numbing drug morphine and serve to reduce harmful chemicals in the body that are released by stress. When everyone is thinking the worst or feeling anxious about a situation, laughter can dissipate the tension just enough for everyone a more manageable perspective on the issue. The release of tension from a stressful situation can be a tremendous opportunity to lift above the doom and the gloom or negative situations so that we can clarify our minds, so that we can think more effectively about solutions for the problem at hand or the situation that is going on. Laughter is good for your physical health. It causes beneficial physical changes to your body. It relieves stress, which we've talked about, but laughter gives you a renewed burst of energy and can relieve minor pain. Laughter improves your mood and attitude so that you can feel ready to tackle tough situations. When my mom got sick in 2015 and she was unconscious for several weeks, I would go home and try and find the funniest movie or a comedian that I liked and laugh at all the funny or even the dumbest things. It was a way to reduce stress and to take a step back from the very serious health situation that was going on. But for me, the laughter acted as a type of natural medicine that helped to soothe the stress of the situation. So I think there are four health benefits of laughter. First, laughter relaxes the entire body, which allows you to relieve stress and relax your muscles for maybe up to an hour. Laughter signals for the release of endorphins, a natural chemical that makes us feel good. Laughter boosts the immune system. Laughter can increase your immunity, which helps you to fight off dis-ease. And lastly, laughter has been shown to improve blood circulation. Good, deep, hearty laughs on a regular basis can help improve blood flow through your entire body and strengthen your heart. Besides the effects on your physical body, laughter improves your mental health. Laughter can relieve some sad or distressing emotions. You can't feel anxious or be angry or sad when you're in the midst of a deep belly laugh. Laughter also relaxes your mind and recharges your energy so that you can stay focused on the tasks at hand. And laughter also improves problem-solving skills. You might see a situation from a different perspective, which allows you to strategize different ways to solve the problem. Laughter strengthens relationships. 
It joins friends, family together. Sharing laughter adds to joyfulness to any relationship. When you share funny stories, memories, or jokes together, builds and strengthens relationships. Think about a, a child who's mad about something. We've all seen this picture. Their arms are crossed, lips are pouting, maybe stomping their feet in disagreement. The bottom lip quivers a bit, leading up to a cry. Quick-acting parents or adults in the situation will often tickle the upset child, tell a silly joke, or make a funny face before the waterworks actually start. Many times, the quivering lip turns into a reluctant smile, and the now-smiling child will pretend to be mad after having their mood changed. And adults' moods can be changed by invoking humor into the situation. Humor and laughter in relationships allows you to be carefree and spontaneous. Most things don't seem so bad if you can laugh about it. Laughing puts you in a more positive frame of mind, which then allows you to see the good in everything and everyone. You can let go of judgment, doubts, and even criticisms. Laughter may even help with, with releasing resentment or fears that cause you to hold back can be replaced with love and respect. And it's much easier to approach hard or difficult conversations when you're in good spirits, where you can express your true feelings. A little laughter in the workplace can be a good thing and powerful. It makes people more productive and friendly to one another. Laughter at home is a wonderful way to bring a family closer together. It's a way to have something in common with someone we care about. All families go through periods of stress from time to time, and in those times, laughter can be a tremendous stress reliever. Laughing can unify and be therapeutic, especially if there has been tension in relationships. Laughter with friends is important too. We feel connected through sharing some of the ridiculously funny experiences that define our relationships. And laughter can create new relationships. Laughter can renew and strengthen our bonds. So how can you bring more laughter into your life? Well, you can have a joke book available and pass it around and everybody gets to tell a joke or two. Have a game night. Have a karaoke night. Now, me singing karaoke is not a pleasant sight and very, very funny. Or host a party of some sort. Laughter will fill the air. The next topic is about nourishment. You require nourishment in order to grow your body, mind, and soul to its highest capabilities. Do you know what foods, music, friends, family, entertainment, or activities help you feel energized, powerful, good, and that heals you physically, emotionally, and spiritually? There are so many choices, and confusion can become a source of stress. Choice is part of your freedom. Let go of the doubt, fear, guilt, or shame around nourishment. You have an internal compass or guide, which you have been ignoring for any number of reasons. Ignore whatever's being advertised and marketed to the masses. That's to generate profits and rarely supports feeling good on any level. It may truly promote fear, guilt, and shame instead. 
Being offered food doesn't require you to accept it if you don't know that it doesn't serve your best and highest good. Will what's offered help or hurt you? Don't worry about offending others. Reply that you've eliminated those foods to determine what works best for your body. They will understand. Are you willing to feel tired and have less energy and deal with the digestive upset and clear the debilitating effects of food or a meal choice that doesn't suit you? Notice what's being offered, whether it's food, news, relationships, work, or any situation, and make a choice to respond with compassion and understanding rather than thoughtless action or reaction. Saying yes to eating foods that sustain and heal you rather than sap and drain your energy also transfers to every other part of your life. Books, movies, television, sports should also sustain and make you feel good. Your journey to good health, feeling good, spiritual growth, and understanding may involve moving away from less healthy set of actions and physical health and emotions. During your journey, you will learn and recognize how proper nourishment supports spiritual growth and vitality, as well as joy, peace, and compassion. You could inspire others by your actions. Learn to take care of your needs, even if you have to release old ways of doing things. The worldview of good health is mixed up and confusing. A nourished and healthy body is based on love, not misery, shame, or any fear or any form of domination. It takes courage, termination, persistence, perseverance, and strength to follow your internal compass and intuition. To feel nourished is to be whole, loved, healthy, joyful, peaceful, and happy. Total nourishment has nothing to do with shame, misery, or domination. Nourishment is supportive and helpful. You feel a sense of security and love. You have to be able to discern for yourself what is healthy and nourishing for yourself. It might be similar to your best friends or your mom or your dad or your uncle or your grandfather, but more likely it'll be slightly different and that's perfectly fine. Releasing old ways and old habits can be hard and difficult, but take action to make those changes. Now, I like to use affirmations, and I have two for you today. I am open to nourishment in all forms for the betterment of my body, mind, and spirit. I call commanded a man for the ability to discern between foods, materials, and substances that feed, nourish, and support my body, mind, and spirit from those which drain, distract, or harm me. By divine grace and unconditional love, so be it. For this third segment, I have a couple of quotations. The first is from Leo Tolstoy. I have lived through much, and now I think I have found what is needed for happiness. A quiet, secluded life in the country with the possibility of being useful. The modern world makes A simple life, harder to do, harder to have, harder to get at. Most of us have to live near cities in order to earn a living so that we have the money needed to to buy those things that we consider essential. 
And then we have all sorts of distractions, our computers, our phones, our tablets, televisions, stereos. Then there are relationships. Life in general can be hard to find a simple life. Part of my formula for a simple life is living in a small house. I'm fortunate to have a backyard that is filled with nature. There are birds that are singing, squirrels, chipmunks, hawks flying around looking for their next meal. A simple life also means I avoid the news as much as possible. I make contact with family and friends on a regular basis. I live as simply as I can, and I enjoy the quiet of the early morning and the peacefulness of the evening. The second quote is from Mark Twain. Keep away from people who try to belittle your ambitions. Small people always do that, but really great people make you feel that you too can become great. Do you encourage and support others in becoming even better or greater than they already are? I encourage and support potential to become better in everyone and in all endeavors around me. Sometimes I'm successful, sometimes I'm not. And I avoid those people who do try to belittle me. I'm not mean about it. I just have other things to do, other places to be. I may even thank them for their input, but let them know it's probably not the direction I'm going to go. Just because someone isn't nice to you doesn't mean you can't be nice back to them. And amazingly, sometimes they're very frustrated by that. When I do listen to the news for a couple of minutes every day, it seems like it's all doom and gloom. Are there bad things going on? Absolutely, positively. But I don't concentrate on those bad things, on those things that are going wrong. Instead, I concentrate on what's going right, on what I can do to improve a situation or a circumstance, and what I can highlight to people around me to show them that things are not as bad as the news likes to make them out to be. The war in Europe is terrible. The death and destruction is abhorrent. But then you look around, and as bad as it is, you see people and countries coming together and supporting each other. You see kindness, understanding, compassion, cooperation, and collaboration. The war can tear things down, but it can also unite people and countries. One of the things that I do is I give money to organizations that I know that can help and have wonderful reputations for doing so. I also do blessings and prayers for those suffering hardships, loss, and abandonment issues. I hold positive energy and have faith that things will improve. That light will win over dark. You can contribute yourself in any way that feels good for you. I believe light will win over darkness. Let's take a look at a couple of more of the universal laws. The universal law of the mind says that thoughts objectify themselves and become reality. Your thoughts are energy. They can take on a life of their own. Think about something long enough with strong emotion and it becomes reality. The universal law of expectations states that whatever you expect with confidence becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. You get what you expect in life, not what you want. Combined with the other laws, 
and you've added powerful forces that will help you succeed. In today's culture, we're constantly sold on the idea that we should avoid anything unpleasant, uncomfortable, or hard. I don't know anybody who likes to fail. I don't. But if you're not willing to risk failure, then you won't be able to make bold moves necessary to succeed either. Learning to deal with failure is a skill. It's something that you can learn, practice, and master. I want, and I believe you want, to become and masters at learning from our failures. Coming from a research and development background, I failed daily, multiple times in a day. And people would say, doesn't that get you down? And I would say, no. I found something that didn't work. I've eliminated that now as a possibility. Failures can be more effective teachers than our successes. With understanding and practice, we can learn to make the most of them, even turning failures into triumph. You and I didn't learn to walk automatically. We fell down a lot. The same thing with riding a bicycle or hitting a baseball, making a basket, roller skating, rollerblading. We failed a lot more than we succeeded, but we learn. What can happen to many is that they stay stuck in the emotions of failure, ruminating on the past mistakes and failures. They haven't learned to do things differently. They're just feeling awful over and over and over again. Fear of failure is very common with human beings. Change how you think and feel about failure. It's an opportunity to learn something new or doing something differently. That helpless position turns into an active problem-solving approach that leads failure to become success. Sports can be a great teacher because you fail, but you continue to play with the same level of intensity and focus despite the past failure. This builds resilience. What's important is being able to learn from the failure. It's feedback from the world that can help us succeed by showing us what doesn't work. Now we get to move on and look for what would work better the next time. When I worked for a small company outside of Baltimore many years ago, my boss and I had differences as to how we define success and failure. His idea of success is if the experiment gave us the results we wanted one time, he was good to go. I looked at it differently. One out of one is 100%, but I'd rather be 90 or 95 out of 100 before I took a product to a customer. I wasn't afraid of it failing. In fact, I wanted it to fail so that I could improve it, make adjustments. We all fail. We all make mistakes. The thing you want to do is acknowledge the failure. I struck out. I didn't get that promotion. We didn't get that house. Accept your role. Don't blame or deflect the responsibility onto someone else or onto other events. Be compassionate with yourself, but, but without illusions or denial. Next, notice how you talk to yourself about it. What's your self-talk like? I'm just no good at this. I'm not a person who has that talent. You want to change the words into growth terms. I didn't prepare well enough for that. I need to learn more about that product. 
look for opportunities to learn from your experience. Some people might call that practice. If you've let people down, make amends. Tell them you're sorry. You'll do better next time. Is there something else that you, that you could do for them instead? Don't dwell on the feelings of failure. Don't indulge those feelings. They're there to remind you to not make the same mistake again. Learn the lesson the first time. So we want to learn from our failures and use them as motivation to change or improve our behavior, which will lead us to future success. And in doing so, we can grow more friendly and resilient relationship with ourselves and others. How to take the heat of summer. Today was the first day in my area where we had really high humidity and warm temperatures. And that got me thinking about summer heat and the things that you can do to prevent problems. Now, most of this is common sense and fairly well known. But that doesn't mean that people practice it. You want to drink more fluids, regardless of your activity level. Don't wait until you're thirsty to drink. Purchase a glass reusable water bottle that you can carry with you all the time. Add a touch of lemon or lime. And as we age, or as the human body ages, it becomes essential to drink fluids regularly because of the amount of water retained by the body decreases with age. You want to avoid drinks that contain caffeine, alcohol, or large amounts of sugar, and avoid very cold drinks. In the heat, you want to cut back on exercising, but if you choose to exercise, drink a couple of glasses of water to maintain your hydration level. The whole point is that you want to keep your body cool. You want to dress in lightweight, light-colored clothing that may contain some sun-reflective materials. And wear loose clothing. Sunglasses and a wide-brimmed hat are available almost everywhere. Fans can help with evaporative cooling, but they don't prevent heat-related illnesses when the temperature is in the high 90s. Take a cool shower or bath or move into air-conditioned place to cool off. If possible, stay in the shade, especially between 11 and 3 when the sun is at its most intense levels. Never, ever, under any circumstances, leave anyone in a closed, parked vehicle, even with the windows down. Open your house to the breeze after sunset and leave it open until dawn. In the early morning, draw the shades and curtains before the temperature starts to rise. Don't get too much sun. Sunburn makes it difficult for your body to dissipate heat. Now, I personally am not afraid of the sun. I don't use sunscreens because most of them are horrible chemicals. There are some natural ones, and if you like them, please feel free to go ahead and use them. You want to stay alert. Be aware of heavy sweating hot, dry skin, a rapid pulse, pale or clammy skin, and cramps in your legs or abdomen muscles. These are, could all be signs of a heat disorder. It's wise to keep medical information readily available, including phone numbers of your doctors, health care providers, and any copies of prescriptions and health insurance cards. 
in case of an emergency related to heat. Heat index values is a measure of how hot it feels when humidity is factored into the actual air temperatures. NOAA issues heat alerts based on heat indexes. A combination of high temperature and high humidity reduces your body's ability to cool itself. If the temperature is about 90 degrees Fahrenheit with a relative humidity of 70%, the heat index is 106. It feels like 106 degrees and it makes it very difficult for the body to cool itself. When the heat index is high, drink plenty of water or fluids and spend the midday hours inside or somewhere where it's cool. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Infinite Possibilities Abound. I'm your host, Debbie Waisner, wishing you a wonderful day and a fabulous week.